the works of your hand, the ways of your heart. So today, if you're visiting with us, we are so thankful that you're here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Fill out the form in the bulletin and drop in the offer plate later on so we can have a record of your visit. But home, folks, man, good to see you guys. Find somebody you haven't spoken to yet. Tell them it's good to see them at Concord. Do that right now.
praise this morning at his love for you. God bless you. you be seated as Pastor Levi makes his way up. You guys can head off. Let's bow together. Father, I thank you for James and his testimony of faith to share the good news. Uh, and Father, I want to pray specifically now for Larry as we did the first hour. I ask that you would put others around him that would uh, point the way to your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we want to pray as well uh, that he would come to know you personally. His life will be completely uh, turned upside down. Uh, and Father, I thank you for your ability to answer prayer. God, you hear from us this morning. And so we lift him up. And God, there are many Larrys. God, I pray, uh, being a newcomer into this community, that you would open doors of opportunity for me to meet people who don't know you personally. Uh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help all of us to see uh, that we really are called to proclaim the excellencies of your mercy. Uh, that's exactly what your word says. Every one of us are called to make disciples. So enable me, God, give me the opportunities and give your church here the opportunity. And God, we pray specifically for the Christmas production coming up. A lot of effort has gone into it, a lot of time, a lot of practice. But Father, we know that through it all, the Bible says when we lift you up, you draw people to yourself. So I pray in the name of Jesus that the Christmas production this year would be a phenomenal tool for evangelism, to reach out with the good news. And God, I pray that you would excite us here with what excites all of heaven. And Father, the Bible says when one person repents, all of heaven rejoices. God, help us to get on the same rejoicing field that heaven is on. And grant us the opportunity this morning to hear from heaven so that we might grow in our faith, so that we might go with our faith to make an impact in the community for your namesake. And we'll give you glory for that. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said. And there may be a chance this morning that's the camera that's on me, Larry. I'm looking right at you if you're watching this podcast. And I told you, I promised you that I was going to be praying for you. You just didn't know that I was going to bring 800 people along with me. But you've got a lot of people praying for you. If you're out there, if you're watching this podcast and you feel alone and you don't know where to turn, I'm telling you, give us a call. Go on our website. Let us know how we can help you. Because there's a lot of people here who care. And we care about you. And that's why we're willing to say, Lord, wherever you want to lead us, we'll go. And we'll follow. We want to be people of our word. Because we're people of God's word. So just know that you're loved. And you're prayed for. And we're people that want to go where he wants us to go. Lead me, Lord.
Hey, you brought a Bible with you. Say amen. I want to invite you to open it with me to two verses this morning. I'm going to give you two verses of Scripture to meditate on, to memorize this week, and to put all of your buddies on Front Street with. Does that sound good? That means you go up to them and say, give me the verse, all right? So there's two of them this week. It's Philippians 4, 8 and Romans 12, 1 and 2. So we invite you to open your Bible, and if you will, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. We continue our series this morning, Spiritual Avalanche. All right, you got it there in front of you? Say amen. The Bible says, Paul writing, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, then dwell on these things. Now take your Bible over to Paul's writing to the Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You'll see why we're jumping here in just a little bit. But the Bible says, Paul again writing, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's bow. Father, thank you for your word. We'll clean out our ears this morning that we might receive it with hospitality and that we may live it. And Father, I pray this morning that you would grant me grace to empower me to preach your word as you so desire. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus as well that you draw people to yourself this morning. Transform us by your grace. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my wife and I had to get all of our tires changed on the minivan. Can I just say something, by the way? I didn't mention this to the first service. It is impossible to be cool in a minivan. All right? So that was probably the worst day of my life when I bought a Honda minivan. But anyway, so we had to have the tires changed on it. And I don't know anything about mechanics by any stretch, right? And uh, when we were going there, the man asked me, he said, okay, we're going to give you new tires. Do you want us to, you know, align your tires? I don't know what that means. So I just said, well, what exactly... Uh, does that mean? He says, well, that means whenever you let go of the steering wheel, the tires will go in a straight line. That sounds like a great idea to me. You know what I'm saying? Definitely align the tires. And I even mentioned to him, you know, I let go of the steering wheel uh, before the tires were changing. It kind of pulled off to the right or left. I can't remember. But it did pull off. He said, no, no, when we get finished with your van, man, it's going to drive in an absolute straight line. You know, as I thought about that and began to study for this particular message, I realized something. There are times in our lives when we just flat out need an alignment. Uh, it, you know, it dawned on me that when we begin to walk in the path of sinners as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need the Lord more or less to rotate our tires. Are y'all still with me? And uh, it's interesting. Those who stand in the path of sinners actually align their thinking with ungodliness. And those who have their thinking aligned with ungodliness will always 
act out ungodliness. You know, I've said it like this. Your thinking is like the tires in your life. If they're not aligned properly, then your lifestyle is not going to be properly aligned. Now, your life begins to slip as a follower of the Lord when you begin to walk in the path of wicked. We notice that in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. But your life uh, slips further when you begin to stand in the path of the sinners. And the scripture teaches, as a man thinks, so is he. So your thought life is actually going to determine how you act. So it's very, very important this morning that we answer a key question. And the key question is this. How do we align our lives with godliness? How do we align our lives with godliness? I really do desire to live a godly life. And so I've got to get in the Word and I've got to ask the tough questions. And so when I began to study, that's what my question was. Lord, I, I can see it. It makes clear sense to me. I've got to have godly thinking. I need godly actions. So Lord, just teach me, how does that happen? Lead me to some verses that will help me. And that's when we came to Philippians 4 as well as Romans chapter 12. But there are two major answers I want to give you this morning. And the first one is very simple. If we want to align our lives with godliness, we must entertain godliness in our minds. We must entertain godliness in our minds. Now look again at your memory verse, Philippians 4 and verse 8. And I'll be honest, this is the hardest one for me to memorize. Are y'all all right? But uh, here, here's what it is. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, then dwell on these things. Now, the entire purpose of the book of Philippians was to bring the congregation back to a state of joy in their relationship with the Lord, and listen to this, and with one another. How many of you know when your relationship with the Lord is messed up, so are all of your other relationships? They were not experiencing the blessed, happy, joy-filled life that the psalmist speaks of in Psalm 1. So they needed an alignment in this particular congregation. In fact, Paul actually calls out two ladies by name in the church. They are Yodia and Syntyche. Very pretty ladies, I'm sure, because they have such pretty names. So he calls them out. And could you imagine, I've often thought what it would be like to be in the congregation and you get a scroll from Paul the Apostle. Everybody's fired up. So you, I mean, you open it up and somebody stands up and reads it to the congregation. And then all of a sudden you get in chapter 4 and Paul says, I urge ye, Yodia and Syntyche to live in harmony with the Lord. Boy, you can imagine how they felt, can't you? But anyway, that's what he did. He told them basically to quit your petty arguing and begin to rejoice in the Lord once again. His desire was for them to be blessed. So he gave them a litany of things that they should dwell upon. Now, literally, the word dwell means to make a deliberate mental calculation. Are y'all with me? Say yes. You have to get this imagery in your brain. Uh, before we go any further, you'll be completely lost. All right. So listen to this concept and then we'll kind of uh, run forward and see what the Lord does. Now, I, this is awesome. Your thoughts are like people knocking on the door of your mind, desiring to come in and be entertained. Are, are y'all listening say yes? That's what your thoughts are. They're, so they're lining up at the doorway of your brain and they're knocking. They want to come in and they want to be entertained. Before an ungodly thought can get into your brain, you have to let it in. You have to open the door and allow it to come in. And what I have found is a lot of people allow them to come in and then they sit down and have coffee with them. They entertain ungodly thoughts. You know, my kids love to play in the backyard. There's a place they get a little bit muddy. And so before they can come into the house, we've got to check them out. Y'all with me? 
So we say, Garrison, let me see your hands. Uh, Maddie, let me see your feet. Marley, uh, let me see your bottom. But anyway, so she just crawls everywhere. So we ask them, let's see everything, right? We want to check, make sure they got no mud on them because if they come in the house with mud on them, what is going to happen to the house? Somebody say it out loud. Yeah, it's going to get nasty, right? Very dirty. We don't want that. So they have to pass the mud test before they can come into the house. We have to clean them off. Now, the reality is simply this. What we have to do is say, no thought can come into my house unless it passes the mud test. Now, what is the mud test? It's what I call the Philippians 4, 8 mud test. So let me just break that verse down for you and then give you a couple of truths about it that have helped me. Paul says whatever is true. Now this speaks of those things that are verifiable. Those things that are based upon reality and not speculation. All right, That which is in alignment with God's Word. God's Word is true. So every single thought that desires to come into your brain, you need to ask the question, does it line up with God's Word? If it doesn't, don't welcome it. Whatever is honorable, that which is of good moral character, that which honors God and reflects His character. And then whatever is right, that which is just, that which is in allowance with God's standards. And then whatever is pure, that which is chaste, modest, pure from carnality, clean with no mixture of evil. Whatever's lovely, and this is actually two Greek words pushed together. It's the word pros and then phileis, which is uh, basically, pros means advantageous. Phileis is from the Greek word phileo. You've heard of Philadelphia before, say yes. Philadelphia is actually from the Greek word phileo, and Philadelphia means the city of brotherly Love. And so that's what phileo means. And so what Paul is saying is this. He's saying allow those things to get into your brain that are advantageous to brotherly love. So the question is, when a thought comes into your mind about an individual, does that thought enable you to love them more if it doesn't get rid of it? Are y'all with me? You don't want to entertain thoughts in your brain that are going to cause you to love people less. That is ungodly. And then he says, whatever is of good repute, uh, that which is good news, positive reports. You know, it reminds me of the children of Israel. They get news back about the promised land of God. Great news. Here it is. The land's just like God said it would be, flowing milk and honey. Man, we can flat out get in there and take capture and hold of it. It's awesome. But then the bad news. And you remember there were more people who had bad news. Do y'all remember that story? The people over there are huge. They'll kill us, they said. They're like, we're like grasshopping there's our own eyes. Their cities are fortified. We cannot defeat them. And they chose as a nation to dwell on the negative report instead of the good report. And they remained in the wilderness for 40 years. Can I give you something for free this morning? This is interesting. I believe God has a deep desire to move many congregations forward to make a massive impact. But a lot of times... There are so many people in the church who are griping, they can't budge. Have you ever thought about it like this? And this ain't y'all. I barely know y'all, right? (laughs) But have you ever thought about it? There are some congregations, I do believe, God's waiting for an entire generation to go away before they can move. Y'all still out there? Well, y'all don't tell the first service I said that. All right, so anyway, here we go. If there is any excellence, all right, that which is virtuous, that which is morally Pure. If there is anything worthy of praise, that which is formally considered commendable. He says, hey, this is what you and I are to dwell on. This is how we entertain godliness in our mind. Look, don't throw the welcome mat for any thought that desires to be entertained in your house if that thought does not pass the mud test. 
Now, let me give you a couple of truths to help apply the principle. This is what's helped me. The enemy continues to send thoughts to knock on the door of your house. Are y'all with me? The enemy is going to continue to send thought after thought after thought just to knock right there on your brain desiring to come in. Now, there are all sorts of thoughts, but let me give you a few to kind of get you thinking. There can be what I call unsolicited thoughts. This is you, man. You're just hanging out, right? And then all of a sudden, something pops into your brain. You're like, where in the world did that come from? Example, men, you're driving along. You stop at a red light, and a beautiful woman comes up and parks right next to you. And you look over, and then before you know it, my, my. Now, y'all don't sit out there and look spiritual on me, all right? No, no, that is a thought that is seeking to take control of your mind. I mean, and what you're doing is you're looking out the peephole and you can see that thought. Look, look at the preacher. Do not allow it to come in. You've got to stop it right there where it starts. So there's unsolicited thoughts. But then there can be ungodly thoughts. Ladies, you come to church and you see another lady, right? And uh, she's lost some weight. She's got a new dress on and she looks good. And it makes you sick, doesn't it? So you begin comparing yourself with her, right? Your anger begins to knock at the door. And then criticism is knocking. You look through the peephole of your door, you would love to let them into your house and just start ripping that lady to shreds, right? Don't let the thought in. It's ungodly. And it affects how you live. But then there's what I call speculative thoughts. A married couple sees another married couple who's doing financially well. And maybe you're strapped financially when it comes uh, to your house. And then all of a sudden, the guests are lining up at the door of your mind. you got envy and jealousy. They're Siamese twins, man. They're knocking on the door of your brain, desiring to come in. Let us in, they cry. You'd love to let them in and begin to speculate about that couple's life. Here's what I have found about speculation. When you begin to speculate about another person, you always allow your thoughts to go to the worst possible scenario. Uh, for example, the married couple looks and says, my, look at them. You know they're not happy. I bet they work like dogs. They probably never even see each other. Look at all they got. They probably are in debt. Matter of fact, they'll most likely be divorced in a year. There's no way they love each other. You see what just happened? You have no clue what's going on with that couple and yet you've made up your mind about them. So you know what happens whenever you begin to rush towards the worst case scenario? What you do is you build at that moment, this is why, you build an attitude against a person that you don't even know. <laughs> y'all ain't never done that before, have you? I mean, I have, so that helped me. But anyway, so uh, y'all be careful with that, all right? Uh, don't let those thoughts get in, man. They will mess you up. They, don't, they just don't pass the mud test. So the enemy continues to send thoughts to knock on the door of your home. Now, here's the truth, and I love this. God gives us instruction on how to get rid of the thoughts. Uh, Paul, uh, and I love, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Listen to what he says. We are destroying every speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, listen, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, think with me for just a moment about your literal home where you sleep at night, right? Let's say you go to bed at night and all of a sudden you hear some ruckus in the house and you know there's an intruder in there. So what do you do at that moment? Now, I'll tell you what I do. I just hit Kristen and say, babe, you need to go check on that. See what that is. <laughs> no, no, if you have an intruder who is coming to your house and wants to snatch all your stuff up, what are you doing? You, you immediately get up and you rush them and tackle them and hit them upside the head with something hard. 
Is that what y'all do? That's what I do. So don't come to my house when I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know y'all, y'all got guns at your house. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> that's right. I shot a first BB gun this past week. God bless you. But anyway, so that's what ends up happening. Now, I want you to check this out. What, what the enemy does is he will send intruders into the uh, doorway of your home. They're knocking on there. They'll get in there. And whenever the intruder comes, Paul the apostle says, you need to take that thought captive. You know what that means? You need to take that thought to the mat, man. You need to tackle it, hit it upside the head with something hard. See, well, what do I hit it upside the head with? Hit it upside the head with the word of God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible, and it's awesome. The scripture describes itself as a hammer. <laughs> you like to take a hammer and smack the ungodly thoughts upside the head. The Bible says that the Word of God is the sword of the Holy Spirit. Look at the preacher. This is not your sword. It is the Spirit's sword. So what you need to do when those thoughts come is you need to submit to Christ, submit and say, fill me with the Spirit, and the Spirit of God will remind you of the Word of God, and that's what enables you to get the thought outside of the house. Are y'all listening? Um, I didn't give this illustration this morning, but it just came to my brain. I hope it works out. <laughs> Whenever you get a new computer, you have certain programs already on the computer. Example, Microsoft Word. Y'all with me? You click on Microsoft Word and it opens up, right? And then you type something and you save it. Why do you save it? Somebody just tell me. So you can go back to it, right? And Microsoft Word has the ability to remember it. And when you click on it, it pops it into existence. Good word. God bless you. I couldn't figure that out. But anyway, so it just comes right in front of you. So what happens? Here's what you do whenever you begin to memorize Scripture. You are downloading the Word of God into your heart. And then whenever you face a situation in life, you know what the Spirit of God does? He recalls it to your memory. Have you ever been in a time in your life when all of a sudden something was going on and then you just started remembering Scripture? You think that's you? That's the Spirit of God at work in you. But listen to the preacher. He only uploads that which you have been disciplined to download. Are y'all hearing me? That made good sense, didn't it? Oh, that kind of gets me fired up when I think about stuff like that. I, thank you, Lord. I don't even remember what I was preaching on. <laughs> but there is. The, the reality is the thoughts are coming, man. You know what they are. Look at the preacher just a minute. Some of you know exactly what thoughts have just flat out messed you up this past week. You know what they are. Why haven't you tackled them? Why do you allow them just to hang out, entertain them, talk with them? Why do you allow them to control you? Are y'all hearing me? You know, stop doing that. That's good preaching, isn't it? If you're doing it, stop it. <laughs> but anyway. So wait, you have to get the Word of God in there. That's why we chew on it. That's why we meditate on the Scripture. That's why we want to know what the Bible says so that whenever it happens, boom, the Spirit of God reminds us and the sword of the Spirit cuts the legs off of the thought, cannot walk into your brain. Now here's what I've learned too. You can defeat the intruder on one occasion and he'll show back up five minutes later. Are y'all hearing me? You can defeat the intruder again. He'll still show back up. You say, well, Levi, that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? But that's just reality. So we have to learn how to live in that. And here's the thing. Once the enemy realizes you've overcome that, he'll send a new thought. 
this is awesome. Did y'all know, y'all do know God is sovereign, right? God is sovereign over all things, even the devil, right? So, so check this out. The devil cannot bring a thought up to the doorway of your mind without God's permission. You say, well, why in the world would the Lord allow that to happen? The Lord wants you to learn His Word. So the more attacks you have, the more opportunity you have to grow in your relationship with Christ. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Um, I don't believe you all are, so let me see if I can figure out another way to say this. We would never know God had the capabilities of enabling us to overcome temptation unless we were tempted. Are y'all listening? So he allows temptation to come so that you can get to know him more. Well, I can't figure out another way to say that. He's sovereign over all these things. And God's using absolutely everything uh, to grow you in your faith. I mean, I'm working. I'm working on a, on a message series through 1 Peter. We'll go verse by verse most likely, starting the new year, all about adversity. God, what you need to do is you need to picture the fact that God, He has you on the potter's wheel, man. He's chiseling, look at the preacher, He's chiseling you away so Christ can be seen. So that's the whole goal. So He allows trials, He allows temptations. All these things are shaping you just so you can reflect His glory on the earth. That's awesome, ain't it? I got another point here. I got to preach it. I just was thinking about a couple other things that I'll preach it come up soon. All right, check this out. Second truth. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. I apologize if I sound like I'm chasing rabbits, but they're good ones. Here's the second one. Uh, you, you must express godly actions. So that's what we all got to do. We got to express godly actions. Now, our alignment verse, so to speak, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Uh, look at it with me again. I'm just going to read it to you, and then we'll give you a few statements off of it. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, everybody say mercy, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That literally means to choose what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the obvious question that I ask is, how do I align my actions with godliness? I mean, how do I do that? And Paul answers it in these two verses. Let me just give you four statements, hopefully to help you think this week about how to express godly actions. Here's the first statement. I must be consumed with God's mercy. I got to be consumed with God's mercy. Paul says, I urge you. That literally means to call to the side in order to get your attention. You ever been walking in the hallway and somebody said, hey, come here, man, I got to tell you something. You ever had that happen? Just shake your head at me. Yeah, that's what Paul the Apostle is doing. He said, hey, come here for a second. I've got to have your full undivided attention. Then here's what he says, by the mercies of God. And I love this. God's mercy toward us is Him not giving us what we deserve. Now, Paul has built the argument throughout his letter to the Romans of what you and I, all of us, deserve from God. What do we deserve, preacher? Well, we're all born sinners. We all are guilty before God as sinners. Therefore, we all deserve death, Paul says. And every single one of us, all of us, every one of us, are y'all catching me? All of us deserve hell. That's what we all deserve. 
However, because of God's mercy, He sent Christ to die for our sin. Jesus is our substitute who died on the cross, appeasing the divine wrath of God, which was for us. The Bible says He was raised from the dead three days later, offered us the forgiveness of our sins. And here's something pretty, pretty wild. Jesus got up from the dead and over 500 people saw Him at once. Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, you don't believe me? Go ask some of these other guys who are still alive. They saw him. <laughs> That's pretty legit, isn't it? But anyway, so uh, we do absolutely nothing to earn God's mercy. We simply place our faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ and we experience salvation. So as Christians, now I want y'all to listen now. This is huge. As followers of Christ, the thought that God is not going to send us to hell for our sin should get our attention. It should cause every single one of us to do something. Somebody says, well, what does it cause to do? Well, let me give you that second statement. I must make the logical conclusion. I must make the logical conclusion. Look at your Bible again. Paul says, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now, the word present means to give over to the full disposal of another. Now, in this case, Paul says, give your actual body, every member of your body, to God's full disposal. Have you ever thought about that just for a moment? Have you ever just prayed and said, Lord, I mean, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I want to give you every single thing I am. And what does it look like? Well, it looks like a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. That is, give your body as one who is fully alive to the Lord and set aside for His purposes as a sacrifice which is well-pleasing to Him. Now, I love this imagery here. In the Old Testament, they used to offer up sacrifices all the time. There was one major sacrifice a year, but every single day they were offering sacrifices. Now, they would offer up what was called burnt offerings. So you can imagine they would bring a bullock uh, into the temple. They would offer it up and the priest would put it on top of a fire and it would burn. Now, reality is uh, the smell was well-pleasing to the Lord. You say, you mean to tell me a burning bull smells good? You ever been to Longhorns? Yeah, it smells good. It's called steak. Are y'all hearing me? And so it does. That's how it was. So you would walk by the temple and you could smell it, but it also smelled good to the Lord. You say, uh, preacher, the Lord doesn't smell stuff. Yes, he does. Uh, he said to Jonah, you got to go and preach in Nineveh because the smell of the Ninevites has come up before me and they stink. It's their wickedness. He can smell wickedness, but he can also smell holiness. And so whenever they were offering up those sacrifices, it was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Now look at the preacher. When you, and I believe you got to do this every day, probably more than once, but you have to remind yourself and tell the Lord, Lord, today I'm offering up my whole body to you for service. And when you do this, you're saying, I am a sacrifice, but I am alive. And what you're doing is you're saying, I want to be a burnt offering before you. And when God smells you, you smell good. Are, are y'all listening to me? When you and I come in here and we worship all together as a body of believers, we ought to be offering ourselves up as a sacrifice unto the Lord, well-pleasing to Him. God ought to be able to take the roof off of Concord and sniff the place and say, that smells good. Hey, uh, sir, when you go to work tomorrow and you're in your office all by yourself and the door shut, the Lord ought to be able to take the roof off and smell you and say, that's my boy. 
Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because uh, the Bible says, and I, and I love it too, the Bible says, Paul the Apostle speaking in the book of Corinthians, he says that you are the fragrant aroma of Christ. You remind those who are saved that they're saved. You remind those who are perishing that they are perishing. That is, whenever you get around people who are saved and you're offering yourself up as a living sacrifice, look at the preacher, you actually smell good to church people. <laughs> oh, do y'all see where this is headed? This is awesome. When you go, let me just ask it from your perspective. There, there are probably some people you try to avoid. Y'all ain't listening to me. When you come to church, there might be some people y'all try to avoid. When you come to church, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Why do you avoid them? Because perhaps they haven't offered themselves up as a living sacrifice. And they just flat stink. Are y'all hearing me? Hey, there are some people when you come to fellowship, you look for them. Where's he at? Where is she? Why do you want to be around them? Because they smell good. They encourage the fire day. You know what they do? They remind you that you're saved. <laughs> y'all, are y'all listening to this? That's wild, isn't it? I mean, I, I, hey, when I get around James, I'll just say it. I look for James on Sunday morning. I, James Dollar, the guy that leads worship. I look for him. You know why? He smells good. Hey, he's got a desire to worship the Lord. I want to get around him. It encourages me when he's up here beating on the pulpit. And then he does this little number. Hey, man, I'm fired up, boy. Let's get it. There are people who just have that gift to encourage you. But every single one of us, when we offer ourselves up to the Lord as a sacrifice, we smell good to Him and we smell good to others. You stink to those who are lost. Are y'all hearing? You stink to those who are lost. Why, why do you stink? Because you remind them they are perishing, Paul says. Well, we're supposed to get around lost people, right? You bet your life we are. We're supposed to get around them. They need to smell us. It is the stench that causes them to look for the fragrant aroma who is Christ. Y'all still out there? Now I only had two lines in my notes for all of that. Y'all still with me? There's a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Now, why do we do it? Well, it's your spiritual act of worship. You know, that term spiritual act, it means your logical act of serving the Lord, of worshiping Him. What Paul is getting at is this. Based on the fact that God didn't give us what we deserve, which was hell, it only makes, listen, it all, are y'all listening say yes? It only makes good sense that we would give every single thing that we have over to God. <laughs> See, every once in a while we'll you know, run into somebody who's really, I mean, they're just passionate about the Lord. they got a heart for the Lord. They're growing in their relationship with the Lord. Want to share the gospel with lost people. Have a real desire to be on mission. I mean, that's just their heartbeat. And what we do is we sit back and say, man, that guy is super spiritual. No, he's not. He's not super spiritual. He is super logical. Or, did y'all catch that? Super logical. Look, it does not make sense. It is, how shall we say, it is illogical for you to receive the mercy of God and then it, it is illogical for you to receive it and then do nothing. That's what makes no sense. That's what I can't understand about some people. It's like you are supposed to go to hell when you die, but God's grace has saved you and you are now following Jesus and, and that's it, man. 
What's the Lord teaching you this week? Well, not much. You know, I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm pretty good old boy. You mean God's not training you? God's not teaching you? You're not growing in your faith, man? You mean to tell me God saved you from hell so you could sit down on Sunday morning? <laughs> Are y'all out there? No, 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 it, it makes logical sense. God, by His mercy, reached down and say, look, look at the preacher. I'm just a, a sinner who's been saved by the grace of God. I saw the mercy of the Lord. I chose uh, to, I mean, literally just grab hold of Jesus and say, hey, it, everything I've got is in the Jesus basket. All my eggs are in there, man. Every single thing that I am. So, Lord, whatever you desire for me to do. So God calls me to do certain things. Um, I want to jump on it. Why do you do it? Because I am a living sacrifice. Are, are y'all hearing me? Do you do it all the time, preacher? No. Is that, that's what I desire to do, though. That's what I'm working towards. <laughs> that's why whenever... Uh, look, look, just look at me for a Y'all seem to be paying attention. Y'all still with me? Just say yes. Um, we were in... We were in uh, Africa, right? So I'm there, I'm training pastors, and after I finish, we talk through the book of Philippians. After I'm done teaching through the book of Philippians, what they do there oftentimes is they have a question and answer time. So they'll raise their hands and they'll ask you a question. First part of Philippians talks about the gospel. I talked about how to be saved. I went through it like this quick, man, because I'm thinking, these boys know the gospel. Let's get down to some more meat. Got to the end, every single question I received was about the gospel. You mean you're, you're not saved by faith plus some good works? You mean, they're just, they're just drilling me, man. So I'm going back to Scripture. Hey, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Here's what the Bible says. As I leave there, the Lord impresses upon my heart. You need to invest in them. Lord, you want me to come back to Africa? I've been once. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Why in the world would somebody do something? Look, there, now we have 380 uh, students in this training school in South Ethiopia. I mean, you've got to get down. Look, look who's going to know about that? Nobody. Well, why do you do it? God told me to. Are y'all listening? God taught, tells all of us to do stuff. And what we got to do is just say, Lord, whatever it is you desire. Hey, let me just get back into Let me just get in the basket. Whatever you say, Lord. You want me to share the gospel with my boss? I'll do it. You want me to share the gospel with my wife? I'll do it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You want me to lead a mission trip? I'll do it. You want me to start a new ministry? I'll do it. Are, are y'all hearing me? Just shake your head. Look, it, it's illogical for you to look at His mercy and say, thank you, Lord. And then that's it. Right, that makes zero sense. No sense. We get involved. God, you, I, your journey, Lord Jesus, was to cut a path all the way to heaven. Now I'm on that path, and Lord, I want to bring as many people as I possibly can. So Lord, tell me how I can do that the best way. Just, just show me. Just, just tell me something. <laughs> Y'all still with me? Yes, sir. It really is. It's not hard. I, I mean, I don't... There's hard things that you got to do. Are y'all hearing me? There's hard things you got to do. God asks you to take some massive risk in life. One of the toughest parts, can I just share with y'all? I didn't share this with the first service. Just look at it. One of the toughest parts about coming to Concord for me personally. Are y'all listening? Toughest parts is I thought, Lord, where's the risk? 
Y'all aren't listening, are you? Lord, where's the risk? They're an established church. They're doing well. They have a lot of community involvement. Lord, where's the risk? Are you sure? Well, you say, why, why, why would you have Because everywhere God's ever called me to go, it's been an absolute risk. Y'all still with me? Yeah, maybe it's just because I hadn't gotten to know y'all yet. Maybe it was risky. I don't know. We'll find out. But the Lord impressed it upon my heart through His Word, confirmed it by the Spirit, confirmed it through the uh, mouth of other people in my life. said, all right, Lord, that's where I'll go. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe the Lord will lead the whole church to do something risky together. Amen. Hey, hey, here, maybe that's why the Lord called me. I hadn't thought about it until now. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the Lord said, let me get this crazy loon, Levi, up here at Concord, and, and let's just do something crazy. <laughs> I can tell some of y'all ain't for that, but <laughs> we shall see. Amen, brother. Let me give you the third deal. And look, 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 look. It, it will come eventually. God is going to call the church to make some risk. And, and here's the deal. That, is, that will be the tipping point for Concord. Tipping point. We can stay comfortable or we can flat out get uncomfortable. And yet, can I be honest with you? You grow when you're uncomfortable. It's the only time you grow. You don't grow when you're comfortable. You know, I've, I've talked with Krista about it. I've said it to a couple of other people. Wouldn't it be like the Lord to choose a small town to do something great throughout the world? Are y'all hearing me? I mean, he called the Benjamites to have it going on in the Old Testament. Teeny little tribe. Are, are y'all listening? Teeny little tribe. Let me give you that. Good grief, y'all taking too long. Let me give you these last two points real fast. Uh, I cannot, I must not be pressed into the world's mold. Paul said, he says like this, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow your actions to to, in life to be fashioned after the actions of those who have no relationship with God in this age. You can't be pressed into the world's way of thinking or the world's way of acting. Hey, look, you've been to the beach before. You go to the beach and you build your sand castles. And what do you do? It's not like you're out there actually fashioning them because you're so slick, right? You've got things that you put the sand in. You've got a big old bucket and you turn it over, pull it off. There it is. And then you start building. What the enemy wants to do is take every grain of sand in your life and mine and put it into his own mold. And then turn it over and say, look at this world. This guy calls himself a Christian. Are, are y'all hearing me? Do not allow the world to pressure you into its mold. We have to fight against that. And the only way we can do it is, first of all, get our brains right. And then our bodies will follow. <laughs> Let, let me give you the last thing. I must renovate my mind so that I recognize God's will. I must renovate my mind so that I recognize God's will. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And I love this because Paul brings up our minds again. He knows your actions are always a byproduct of your mind. If you think like the world and entertain ungodly thoughts, then you will begin to live an ungodly life. Sir, what you're looking at on the Internet is going to mess you up. You're saying, no, 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 preacher, I'm just looking at this, and I won't, won't go any further than me just surfing the web. That's what you think. The devil's got you fooled. Get that mess out of your brain. But if your mind is completely renewed, that is, you learn how to think godly 
by downloading scripture, you will be able to discern what is godly and then act on that. And the word renewed means to renovate. To renovate something means to tear it down, restore it to something better. That's what happens whenever we are being transformed. Our minds are being torn down. Our old fleshly carnal minds, they're being torn down and being rebuilt by the Spirit of God. New furniture is getting put in there, man. You see, some of us have furniture in our minds uh, where hatefulness and, and envy and ugliness and jealousy, all of those things feel comfortable when they come to your brain because you got furniture in there for them. But you renovate. Let's get rid of the old, bring in the new. Let's put some stuff in there so God's will feels comfortable in my brain. God's pleasure feels, just ride it home what pleases the Lord. Let, let's, put some, let's put a couch down that the pleasure of God can just hang out in my brain. And that's what happens. Whenever you begin to do this, check this out. Check this out. When you begin to do this and I begin to do this, then God's will comes and knocks on the door of our brain and we let the will of God in. Get in here. It's exactly what I want to do. But why do we want to do that? Because we've been reprogrammed. This is how we align our lives with godliness. This is how we abide with Christ. We entertain godliness in our minds. We express godliness with our actions. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners, but his delight, his delight is in the law of God. And in it, he meditates day and night. Makes good sense, doesn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you.